Let go of everyday worries and find your calm with positive prayer from Silent Unity, the newest in voice-activated technology, available on any Alexa-enabled device like the Amazon Echo. Each prayer and meditation on positive prayer will help strengthen, guide, and comfort you. To enable it, just say, Alexa, open positive prayer. You can ask for a specific prayer on topics like healing, prosperity, and comfort. Give it a try today. Exploring our oneness with spirit and each other. Unity Online Radio. Thank you for tuning in for this Unity Partner Program. Unity Online Radio partners with spiritual leaders from organizations whose mission and messages complement Unity's. We are pleased to bring you this program on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome to the Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, offering insights and practices for spiritually conscious living today with Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien from the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment in San Jose, California. To ask questions or join in the discussion, email us at theyogahour at unityonlineradio.org. Now, here's your host, Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien. Namaste, reverence to the divine within you, and welcome to the Yoga Hour, our time to open our hearts and our minds to the infinite. Today we'll be looking at pilgrimage, the spiritual journey that we make really back to ourself, which is so in alignment with the philosophy and practices of Kriya Yoga a spiritually conscious, fulfilled way of living in the world, an awakened life, a spiritually awakened life. What is the role of pilgrimages in understanding ourselves and our life more fully? These journeys can call us to travel far from our homes, or they can occur simply within as we travel deeper into our own hearts, into our own essence of being. And they have the element, of course, of return with a renewed appreciation of our life, a new perspective, a new connection to our essential self. I'm joined today by a good friend and colleague, the Reverend Canon Charles Gibbs, who is an Episcopal priest and author of the new book, Light Reading Poems from a Pilgrim Journey. Um, uh, Reverend Charles is an Episcopal peace, a priest, a visionary, and poet who's dedicated his life to serving the sacred in the world, especially through interreligious and intercultural engagement. From 1996 until he uh, recently retired, I'm not sure, Charles, if we could call it that, but we're going to say he recently retired in 2013, and uh, he, before that time, he served as founding executive director of URI, the United Religions Initiative. He's currently the senior partner and poet in residence for the Catalyst for Peace Foundation. And his website is Rev Charles Gibbs, R E V C H A R L E S Gibbs G I B B S dot net. Welcome, Reverend Gibbs. I'm so happy to connect with you in this way. It is a joy to be with you as well, dear friend, and to uh, be a part of this great show. Thank you. And before we begin reflecting on pilgrimage, spiritual journey, and offering some poems, you'll be reading from your <clears throat> your new book, uh, Light Reading Poems from a Pilgrim Journey. And I'm going to read from a uh, manuscript in progress, so we'll both be sharing some poetry. But before we do that, let's just take a moment to center ourselves, have a little a moment of meditation. Every moment, 
any moment, like this moment, can be a moment of pilgrimage through meditation, contemplation, consciously returning to our selves, that is becoming aware of our essential spiritual nature, bringing our attention to rest in our essence of being. So we travel, in a sense, from outer engagement, outer involvement, and oftentimes outer identification. And we just let that go. We let go of the ideas of what we are, the roles that we play, the circumstances we're engaging in, and we enter the fresh landscape of the divine self that is unbounded, free, pure existence being. Let's just use our breath as our vehicle for this journey this morning. As you breathe in, feel that you are diving within into the infinite allness of the divine self. And as you breathe out, letting go, letting go of any clinging to outer circumstances. In our moment of meditation, this journey within, this journey of awakening, we acknowledge God, however you think of God, as the larger true life, the reality in which we as individual souls journey to awaken to the truth of our being as one with that which we have sought. May our hearts be open to that realization of conscious oneness now and each moment in this day ahead of us. May we see only God. May we serve God in all. Charles, I'm so delighted to know about your new book. It's a beautiful book and a very great inspiration um, for the journey that we're all on that you have named, of course, the spiritual, the the pilgrim journey, and it, which is spiritual pilgrimage. And it seems that poetry provides the ideal way to speak about such a journey because poetry gives us the opportunity, really, I think, to say what cannot be said and to put into words that which is beyond words. And what could be called spiritual poetry is that which speaks directly to the heart helps us remember the highest truth, helps us awaken. Sometimes it challenges us, other times it comforts us, but either way, it draws us into our depths. What what do you see as the role of poetry on our spiritual journey? Let's talk about it a little bit, and then let's offer some poems. Uh, sure. First, I, I think of... of two dimensions of, of answering that. One, the, the influence poetry has had on me all my life in, in calling me deeper and deeper onto my journey as a spiritual pilgrim. I've loved poetry all my life, and some poems have been uh, profound companions. I think of Wordsworth and his Tintern Abbey, where he, he describes a mystical state and says uh, the breath of this corporeal frame and even the motion of our human blood almost suspended we are laid asleep in body and become a living soul while with an eye made quiet by the power of harmony 
and the deep power of joy, we see into the life of things. Mm. Those words have <laughs> given me comfort and invitation for decades. For I think of the great uh, Indian poet Rabindranath Tagore, who, who wrote, Thou hast made me endless, such is thy pleasure. Mm-hmm. This little flute of a reed thou hast carried over hills and dales and breathed through it melodies eternally new. That, that, mm-hmm. that reminds us of whose we are, what we are, and what we can become. When you think of the great uh, Sufi mystic poet, so you think, I think of, of the great nature poet Mary Oliver in our time, people who help us look at the world and look and see everything in mm-hmm. everything we see, open our hearts, our souls, our minds, to embrace the divine all around us and within us. And for me, the practice of writing poetry takes that a step deeper because it it, it invites me not only to seek to experience the world below its presenting surface and myself below my presenting surface, but to try to give words to that in a way that go to the depth of what underlies all that is. Mm-hmm. And uh, as so beautifully said, Charles, thank you. I, I was thinking about our conversation, you know, before we connected this morning and, and about this question of the role of poetry really in our lives because we're all on that spiritual journey <clears throat> and, you know, how I see the role of poetry. And the thing that came to me is that, you know, my experience of poetry is that it stops me <laughs> it stops me and what i mean by that it it it, it brings me to a, a point of um as you described going below the surface so sort of opening up vistas that i don't see in my you know ordinary uh thinking mind, you know, it takes me to a deeper place. And I was thinking that poetry is so important in our world today when we need to stop. You know, uh, that's my assessment, you know, that we all need to stop more frequently. We're going so fast and uh, technology is moving so fast. And poetry uh, makes us stop and Therefore, I think it's essential that we include time for poetry in our lives, you know, that we um, make space for it. So let's make space for it now. Would you share um, something from your new book, uh, Light Reading? I would be happy to. I'd, I'd love to share uh, a couple that for me are, are journey poems. They're, they're both very brief. Uh, one is called Awaken. Our deeper, truer self lies dormant, expectant, waiting for us to awaken to its insistent urging. Break through the husk. Blossom. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) The, The second one is called empty. The journey demands Preparation. Empty your pocket. Then empty them again. You will be surprised by the riches along the way. Mm. Beautiful. Beautiful. I love the call to empty our pockets and then empty them again. (laughs) Because, you know, it's, of course, it brings to mind two things, you know, on the uh, on the mundane level, packing for a journey. <laughs> when, mm-hmm. you know, when we, you know, I always take too much, and um, and then the deeper meaning of that, you know, uh, trying to, uh, you know, go through the eye of the needle, right, with our camels fully packed, and um, the the need to just let go of our expectations and really the surrender that is required uh, on this pilgrim journey. And I think also um, a quality of 
faith. And so I'll share one from my manuscript uh, in process. The manuscript is called The Moon Reminded Me. Mm. And uh, this poem is called Rose and Azure Letters. Hari, those rose letters penned on azure skies, you slipped daily at dawn under the door of my mind, called me from my home. Why hide from me now? Their fragrance still speaks. When night jasmine fills the air, I know. Not even the darkness escapes your call to bloom. Mm. Beautiful. (laughs) Thank you. So I wrote that particular poem when I was on pilgrimage in India. And, uh, of course, it has many of the uh, elements of you know, being in India, Hari, a divine name, which actually means the remover. It's a Sanskrit name for Krishna and signifies the Lord as the remover of ignorance and our errors. Um, and it has, you know, elements, of course, what it's like to smell that jasmine when you're, when you're in a little village in India and just the, the headiness of that experience of flowers blooming, you know, even in the darkness and, of course, even in our own uh, darkness and difficulty. And you have traveled all over the world, you know, connecting with people from many different traditions and cultures. And I know that you have that soulful ability to deeply connect and um Because that's my experience of you, and I I see it in your work as well. Um, So what impact would you say that this these uh, journeys to sacred places, your interspiritual work, uh, along with that, what what impact would you say that that work uh, and those journeys have had on your poetry? Well, it... To start with, uh, they've given me a, a rich, uh, a rich palette <laughs> to paint with words. Uh, and uh, again and again, I've been startled into seeing the, the, the theoretically ordinary world as just uh, a transcendent and luminous with the beauty of the divine light washing through it and and all around it. And I'd love to follow your India poem with one of my own. Please do. The, the title is Morning Terrace in Kotarakara, which is in Kerala State in southern India. Now the sun seeps through the clouds. The breeze rustles the leaves. Mimosa, banana, papaya, and coconut Freeing last night's rain, liquid light suspended then falling as all eventually falls. Birds whose names I don't remember sing songs as old as memory, as fresh as this new day. And children walk by ones and twos through this shimmering song of life as naturally as the singing birds or the falling drops of light. I sit on the terrace, recalling songs beyond memory and rising light. Mm. So beautiful. Really capturing that moment in India and that moment in the heart, the moment of sunrise, the moment of... Awakening. Thank you so much for that. We're welcome. We're going to go uh, for a break in just a moment, and I'll conclude this segment with um, another poem that was really influenced for me by interspiritual engagement. And and you and I have uh, we've been blessed by many mutual friends in the Sufi community. And uh, recently, I well, last year anyway, I had this experience of um, 
being shown, uh, being, you know, it was just one occasion, but having the opportunity to try it out, this, the uh, opportunity to whirl, like the dervishes whirl and have someone teach me how to do that. And so this, this poem came from that, uh, interspiritual engagement. And it, it really gave me the title for this manuscript. So the title of the poem is The Moon Reminded Me. Mm. This morning, the moon reminded me it's never too late or too early to shine. Go ahead. There's a way to turn without losing your balance. Even though you get drunk on the beloved's wine, even though you leave your shoes behind at the Sama, go ahead, take them off. Place your hand on your heart. Start turning toward the light. Raise yourself by yourself at dawn. Go ahead, shine in the morning sky. Mm. Gorgeous. Thank you. So, (laughs) you're listening to the Yoga Hour with special guest today, Reverend Charles Gibbs, Episcopal priest, visionary, and poet. And uh, we're hearing some poems from his new book, Light Reading Poems from a Pilgrim Journey. And you can find his book at Amazon, and you can also learn more about Reverend Charles and his work at reverendcharlesgibbs.net. And we'll be right back with you. Wouldn't you like to share the programs that inspire you most with audiences around the world? That's easier than ever with mobile giving. Just text Unity Radio to 72727 and help us continue offering spiritual programs that change lives. Hello, listeners. Did you know we've gone mobile? That's right. Your favorite Unity online radio programs are available on your mobile device. Now you can take us with you wherever you go. Using apps from Live 365 or Stitcher, you can listen to Unity online radio live or on demand. To learn more, visit www.unity.fm and click on Mobile Listening. Are you ready to live in joy? Is there an area of your life where you could use a miracle? Have you been praying for help and guidance? Come join Lisa and Bill and their guests for an hour filled with practical tips on experiencing miracles, greater abundance, focused, deliberate living, and the peace of God that passeth all understanding. Experience more joy in life. Listen to Living in Joy, Reflections on a Course in Miracles, with Lisa Natoli and Bill Free, every Friday at 2 p.m. Central, here on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Does the idea of being a vegetarian or a vegan intrigue you? Is it something you've pondered? Listen each week as Victoria Moran, author of Main Street Vegan, shows you how to make the shift to a sustainable lifestyle for both you and the planet. Each week you'll learn about the latest on the vegan life. It's not just for celebrities and moguls, but for people just like you who want to look and feel amazing, eat extraordinary food, help animals, and create a physical body perfectly attuned to spiritual growth. Guests will range from unity ministers to vegan authors, activists, physicians, chefs, and even some of those glittery celebs. There'll be recipes, ideas, tips for going vegan at your own pace, and ways to make a difference for animals and the planet at every meal. Tune in Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Central Time for Main Street Vegan, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. You're listening to The Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, with Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien. We now return to The Yoga Hour. 
Welcome back to the Yoga Hour. I'm Yogacharya O'Brien, and today on the Yoga Hour, we're speaking about pilgrimage and both the way in which we travel to distant holy places and uh, experience this journey as a journey of awakening, discovery, uh, renewal, return, or also, of course, um, exploring this as the inner journey, which, of course, is the way of yoga, which is coming home to ourselves, realizing our own divine wholeness, and beholding that one in all. So before the break, um, we were just talking about poetry and uh, how interspiritual work has um, given both uh, Charles and I inspiration for our poetry. And uh, so I want to begin this uh, last segment of the program, Charles, just inviting you to read one of your longer poems, and uh, then we'll take it from there. Thank you, Ellen. Uh, and this, what you just said is uh, a lot for me what, what was working in me when this poem uh, presented itself. It's, it's entitled, To Be Still Enough. Perched on the high Himalayan slopes of cloud-shrouded Darjeeling, this gracious old hotel built in 1887 as the summer residence of the Maharaja of Kuch Behar, with its wide plank wood floors and musty overstuffed chairs, sitting beside the glowing coal fire, calls unexpectedly to mind a remote place and time, 8,000 miles and decades away, in Litchfield, Connecticut, where my grandmother lived. Peaceful house built the year before the American Revolution, of white clabbered with green shutters, wood plank floors, and overstuffed chairs, sitting beside a crackling wood fire. Dooryard maples flanked the front walk, and a grassy backyard tumbled down through the woods to where the Goshen River wound its way to a beaver pond, and spilling over the log dam flowed downward the sea. I have lived several lifetimes since I last wandered those woods and along the river. Yet I seem to remember that once I succeeded in being still enough or long enough to glimpse a beaver. That may have happened only in my imagination, though from the distance of four decades, I wonder whether imagining isn't as good as actually having seen. I've forgotten so much of my life, and the sense of wonder and gratitude is equally rich a blessing either way. I know there's a great deal for which I still must make amends. None of us passes harmlessly through this life, no matter how pure our intention, which is why sitting high on the Himalayan slopes, I'm so grateful to be reminded of Peaceful House and of Grandma. She loved me so easily, so openly, so unconditionally, so lightly, that when I was with her, I only ever wanted to be better. Even now, as I sit in distant Darjeeling decades after her death and hear the haunting call to prayer of the moison emerge from the cloud-shrouded minaret of a nearby mosque and imagine her beside me, I want to be better. I've only ever wanted my life to be a prayer, except, of course, for when I've forgotten, which, to be honest, has been far too often. I'm at an age where what matters most to me is to make each breath a prayer, the event of a lifetime filled with gratitude, wonder, commitment, surrender. They say if the clouds clear in Darjeeling, 
You can see rising into the breathless sky the snow-capped heights of Kanchenjunga, the five treasures of snow. But the clouds don't clear. And sitting in the glow of a coal fire, I have only faded photographs and my imagination. Litchfields, Darjeeling, or anywhere else, whether I actually saw a beaver or not, whether the clouds burn away or not, whether a grandmother long passed away can be present in a different world and time or not, the mystery is there in each moment. If only we will be still enough for long enough to be filled with wonder and endlessly grateful. Mm. Mm. That is so rich. Thank you so much for reading that. And, you know, it it brings uh, so much um, about our whole life journey and the people we have known who touched us so profoundly. Um, I was also blessed with a grandmother, but I think, you know, in, who was like that for me. And, uh, and for others listening, there may have been someone else who played that role for them just to help them see the deepest part of themselves. I think that's one of the things that poetry does um, is to it really helps us look it helps us listen it helps us see um, I have a little poem I can share about um, this we could call it really a backyard pilgrimage because this this came out of an occurrence in my backyard and I live in the suburbs I have to say you know to introduce this so it's just like this sort of wildness that shows up sometimes uh, externally that reminds us of our inner wildness that is so much, uh, is so very important to the ecological landscape of the soul. This one is called Sharp Eyes. Certain creatures live with us in the suburbs. Gray squirrels, mice, and the neon-striped garden snakes who hunt them, the neighbor's tiger cat who could join in but doesn't, appears around nine to lap up rays of the sun in the north corner. Birds, black, blue, gray, yellow, emerge from one side door of the sky and depart through another, their songs trailing behind them. At night, the party arrives, no inhibitions, raccoon clan, shy possum family, power-wielding executive skunks, roof rats, host it all. The afternoon he arrived, it took ancient memory to recognize him. Dog? On the fence? No. Crimson fur, sloping tail. Triangle face, sharp eyes, fox. That's, so. that's, that's lovely. And, <laughs> and it speaks to me because we also live in a suburban area, and uh, there is a, uh, a family of foxes that for uh, two years have lived just on the other side of our fence. Uh, at a place where four yards come together and there's underbrush. And, uh, we've huh. gotten to, to watch as two generations uh, <laughs> have, have grown up. Uh, it's really, really fun. Well, it's interesting that you would have that experience. You know, it's quite rare, you know, to be in the suburbs and have a fox, you know, come into your backyard generally. And uh, certainly, you know, for me, it just was a moment of encounter, of course, um, and I think often that's what what poetry expresses is that moment of encounter with uh, uh, something ancient, something deep, and uh, in its best form, as you began uh, the program today, the encounter with 
the self and all its majesty uh, in the world. So what is it, Charles, that you would say that poetry makes possible? Uh, anything and everything. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I know for me that uh, poetry, uh, being engaged with poetry, the reading, uh, writing, listening is an invitation to walk through the world in wonder and gratitude, to be in my life in wonder and gratitude, and to recognize that that anything has the capacity to give us an insight of uh, surpassing value. Mm-hmm. And it reorients uh, me, at least, away from uh, the, the material consumer culture that, that uh, impinges in every direction on our lives uh, and, and whispers quietly, that's not what really matters. You know, Wordsworth in another one of his poems that I love said, the world is too much with us, late and soon, getting and spending, we lay waste our powers. Poetry has the, the power, if we give ourselves to it, to enhance our powers, not to lay waste to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that poetry is essential to our deeper humanity. You know, just as I said in the beginning, it you know, it allows us to put into words what really cannot be spoken and um you know, there are certain people who don't have an affinity for metaphor um, or for the language of poetry. Um, and I just think it's so important that it not be lost uh, to our world at this time. And I'm, I'm so grateful um, for the voices rising uh, in bringing forth poems and especially... Um, Poems that that speak uh, to the soul. Um, I, I think also, you know, I'm remembering years ago when we when we had a wonderful convening, and uh, you and I and our dear Sufi friends, um, Doctor uh, Doctors Anga and Kianfar, we we met, and it, it was just talking about the mi- meeting of mystics from many traditions and. I think what we find uh, poetry very often in that mystical stream, you know, of all the religions, you know, we can find voices from uh, the different traditions that speak in song and in poem. Um, would you like to share another poem with us now? Um, and just... Uh, Anything that you feel would be useful at this point in our conversation uh, as we look at um, poetry and its role in spiritual awakening? Uh, absolutely. And I, I, I've been called to offer one that, uh, to me, is is uh, an example of how just paying attention to something can be its own pilgrimage. And you end up in a completely unexpected place without ever moving. <laughs> this uh, is called Forever, and uh, it's something that came as I was sitting as I am right now at my desk and uh, looking out the window. This late January day, I will live forever. The sky is ocean blue, and these naked trees float like strange seaweed in the golden dust. Some say, as we were swept from the teeming seas eons ago onto waiting sand, we heard in the gently crashing waves the Divine Mother urging us to emerge, knowing we would never be truly at home on dry land. So we await our return drawn by the insistent pull of tidal time and the intuition that we will never die. Mm. Mm. 
just exquisite, just exquisite. Thank you so much. I think I should, I think I should follow that with, with one on a similar theme. This is short that is called The Mother's Compassion. Mm. The Mother's Compassion. Dawn slid silently through the trees this morning, gently waking sparrows in their nests. As she pulled back the blanket of fog, she whispered, Joy is near. Wake up. Wake up. That's beautiful, and I I, I love those early hours. <laughs> I think in every spiritual path, there's a sense that in those early and fresh hours, uh, the however you imagine it, the membrane between uh, this world and uh, the you might say the real world, <laughs> of which yes, is is much. Uh, much thinner, much e- much more porous, much easier to move through. It is, and um, you just pointed, I have a whole uh, segment in this manuscript, The Moon Reminded Me, that is um, called Sandhya. Mm. And um, probably you're familiar with that term, but for listeners who may not be, Sandhya is Sanskrit for junction, and it refers to the transitional hours. Um, which, you know, through time have been identified as auspicious times of the day for prayer, which are dawn, that you're mentioning, uh, Charles, noon and dusk. And it indicates a meeting place, a joining where two things come together and then, of course, become something new or fresh awareness comes. So I'll share this poem called Sandhya, and it has also in it the Sanskrit word prasad, which means blessed food that is offered to the deity uh, during worship and then consumed. And what's so interesting about that word is it it also means grace, favor, or a gift from God. So I've always felt that word was so rich, you know, prasad, the offering that we make comes back to us as grace. So this poem is called Sandhya. Listen. Lark sings as the day begins and when it ends. The tide of gratitude flows in and senses bow before the one. This is the hour. Enter the temple of I am that. Grace is being dispensed. Take prasad, ambrosia of now, nectar of surrender. It will sweeten your tongue, render you speechless, make you sing. Somehow, Ellen, that that evokes uh, another offering for me, if I may. Absolutely, and I do. I want to take this moment to tell our listeners if you're if you're listening um, here in in real time to us, or or just uh, just before this coming weekend in April, that um, Charles and I are going to be offering uh, an afternoon of poetry on Sunday. April 10th at 2 o'clock in the afternoon at Center for Spiritual Enlightenment. So you're all invited to come uh, in real time and be with us and enjoy these readings. So please, Charles, um, whatever that sparked, Sandhya, that meeting place, that uh, auspicious time, please read to us. Uh, absolutely. And this is, this is an older poem. I, I wrote this about uh, 40 years ago. A little over forty years ago, when you were when you were five, yeah. Well, if only. <laughs> uh, it's, it's a reminder that that things don't always uh, work in the, in the mm. present tense. You know that, mm. that sometimes you just feel lost and stuck. Uh, and as this is called, secret inside. There's a secret inside that I guess at mostly maybe glimpse, 
It's like the difference between the thin-walled box room of this Albuquerque motel and the Rio Grande rushing springtime high and fast such a short drive away. Tremble for me once. Open once and let me inside. I pray this late at night when the springtime is gone, the Rio Grande low and slow, when the house is asleep and the only light anywhere is blinding. beautiful and it you know it brings to mind that of course our our poems and the poems of mystics of all time are you know sometimes about connecting and the joy of connecting the the great breath and the heartbeat of connecting and remembering and coming home and then sometimes they're about longing and yeah. the the despair of um searching for the one and uh of course you know the mystics also say that it is the longing itself that is the call of the beloved and um paramahansa yogananda said you would not even yearn to know god if it were not possible for you and so you know we we yogis think of this yearning as only coming from a taste that we've already had in some way, you know, that we know that uh, we're longing uh, for that, that which we know, you know, deep inside. So do you have another to read? Uh, sure. Uh, I, uh, I'll read uh, one. Uh, it's called Turning for the Ethiopian Ethiopian Millennium, and it's dedicated to a dear friend, Lucy Hailu. Uh, and this, uh, it, it, in the, I think in the stream of what you were just talking about, it, it is uh, in its own way a poem of remembrance. Let these waves of the Arabian Sea wash over us deep, gentle, irresistible, as west across its vast expanse the thousand years turn in the cradle of humanity, beckoning us to be born anew. Let the waves wash over us, draw us from dry sand into deep water toward a far horizon to a new shore, waiting to welcome us home. Let the waves wash over us and over us and over us until we are as pure as infants emerging from deep waters at the edge of new life. Mm. <laughs> mm. So beautiful. So beautiful. It's really hard to speak <laughs> after hearing a poem. And I think, you know, I've had the blessing of uh, going and listening to Robert Bly read. And, uh, you know, often Robert brings musicians with him so that, you know, sometimes there is the drum beat, you know, as he reads, but also you can move just right into that space after you've heard the poem uh, to, you know, just let the music uh, take you. Um, I have also a longer poem, which because of the ocean, um, it has come to mind. So I think I'll read that, and uh, and then we'll hear another one from you, Charles. How does that sound? Sounds great, Ellen. Okay, this poem is called Tides, and it has several sections to it. The first one is Beginnings. Last year, I learned about the small things, how they determine direction and set things in motion like the trim tab of a great ship. Day after day, the whales came so close we could see them, our eyes naked and astonished. 
Rising from the murky depths, mouths open like canyon walls, the ocean a river flowing through skin and teeth, breath shooting up its salty taste, sky made of seabirds, pelicans, gulls, cormorants, grebes, flying, diving, swimming with dolphins and seals at their side. Think about the anchovy that brings the whale. The thousands of small acts, the slippery thoughts or fast-moving words tumbling from mouth or page, going before us, all the while tugging a line in the universe. And the second part here is endings. Mary, we talked on her birthday, laughed, said for six months we would be the same age, then I would forge ahead again, ever the elder. This year she said she was tired. She'd been dispensing forgiveness, making amends with every encounter, told me she forgave me, said, you are free and I love you. You'd have to know Mary to know that words came easy, but not those. Two days later she was gone. If you weren't looking or listening, you might say there was no notice given, no warning, yet the goodbyes were shining everywhere, moving just under the surface of every conversation. 2. Vivian Before Vivian left, she wrote notes, small notes she posted on things for her daughter to find. These were your grandmother's pearls. The key to the safety deposit box is in the bureau. Inside the safety deposit box, nestled among the important papers, an envelope marked, Open After I Am Gone. Imagine standing in that vault alone, reading, I have always loved you, and I am so proud of you. You'd have to know Vivian to know that words came easy, but not those. 3. Monica The night that Monica left, the full October moon told me no one reflects that much light without God at the center. I wasn't prepared for the news, but if I had really paid attention, I would have known Monica was on the move again, and there was no holding her down. It's hard to say where we'll encounter her next, the song that rises in the heart on a lonely night and makes you dance in your living room, that throaty laugh that says what wisdom can't put into words, the lights of Paris at night, sunrise on the coast of Greece, salty air that kisses your face on West Cliff. I expect her to meet me for dinner at Saibing, ride up breathless on her bicycle, unbuckle her helmet, astound me with her latest revelations, say, life is good. In the last segment remaining, if you want to stay in love, be mindful of the tides what they bring in and take out. Sharp edges of glass are smoothed into gems this way. One day flows into the next. It's all beginning and ending, words becoming flesh, tumbling through time, shining for their moment. After you have gone, a child will see the green glisten in the sands of time, pick it up with a small hand, place it in her pocket, walk into tomorrow. So, Charles, <laughs> we have just, thank you, we have just a moment left, and I would really like you to have the last poem. And the last a short one, picking up right where you left off, this is uh, dedicated to my grandchildren, twins, Abby and Henry, and it's called I'm Awake. Mm. One moment, absolute stillness. Then a slight rustle of blankets, the subtle parting of tiny lips, a twitch of tiny feet and arms shift lightly. Then in an instant, arms waving wildly, feet flailing, siren screams erupting. Later, they will learn to say, I'm awake. (laughs) For now, this will have to do. (laughs) Oh, that is so exquisite. 
Thank you so much. And thank you for bringing your beautiful poems to the Yoga Hour today. And for those of you listening in, I want to uh, remind you that this new book of poems by the Reverend Canon Charles P. Gibbs is called Light Reading, Poems from a Pilgrim Journey. And you can get your copy through Amazon. And also find out more about uh, Reverend Charles and his work at Rev. CharlesGibbs.net, RevCharlesGibbs.net, and also a reminder that on August um, April 10th, this Sunday coming up, Reverend Gibbs will be at the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment in San Jose, offering uh, the morning messages, and uh, also he and I will do a poetry reading in the afternoon at two o'clock. So go to csecenter.org to find out more about that. csecenter.org. Remember to subscribe to Yoga Hour at iTunes, and please let your friends know about it. My gratitude. Um, to our Yoga Hour team, to Vicki Martin and uh, Dr. Laura Trujillo, and um, and also our thanks to Jeff Comfort there in the sound room, and my thanks to you, Charles, for being with me today. Well, Ellen, you're most welcome, and thank you for inviting me. I uh, look forward to seeing you on Sunday. I think we'll have an absolutely wonderful day together. We will. Thanks so much. And uh, thank you, all of our listeners today. May you have a beautiful day and a beautiful week ahead. I look forward to being with you next time. Until then, remember to let your inner light shine into the world and share your radiant peace and joy with all you meet. Bye now. Thank you for tuning in to The Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, with Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien. Join us every Thursday morning at 10 a.m. Central, 8 a.m. Pacific, for practical, purposeful methods for spiritually conscious living every day. The Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. This program is brought to you in part by friends and members of the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment in San Jose, California, a ministry in the tradition of Kriya Yoga, the ancient science of self and God realization, www.csecenter.org. Request free literature by writing info at csecenter.org. moment we live can be holy and all we need to do to experience that state is to make the decision to do so everything we do can be a prayer and by using our innate creativity with intention in every aspect of our lives that can indeed be true author Carla Kincannon wrote creativity is so much more than art making It is a tool for navigating through everyday experiences to find the sacred in each God-given moment. Discover Creative Spirit, Wednesdays at 4 p.m. Central Time, and experience the joy of connecting to spirit through creative expression. the saying a good deed is its own reward well moving toward a plant-based diet and vegan lifestyle is one kind and compassionate act that isn't just its own reward it will also reward you with vibrant health boundless energy an easy way to keep your weight where you want it and according to yogis and unity's co-founder charles fillmore even give a boost to your spiritual life on main street vegan the radio program named for the popular book Victoria Moran will make your move in a vegan direction easy, fun, affordable, and delicious. With enticing topics and entertaining guests every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Central Time, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world.
Let go of everyday worries and find your calm with positive prayer from Silent Unity, the newest in voice-activated technology, available on any Alexa-enabled device like the Amazon Echo. Each prayer and meditation on positive prayer will help strengthen, guide, and comfort you. To enable it, just say, Alexa, open positive prayer. You can ask for a specific prayer on topics like healing, prosperity, and comfort. Give it a try today.